All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Daniel Labona. And I'm David Ayoa. And today we are joined by longtime guest who is now, I, I think maybe this might inch you back above-ish, put you on, on in a tie with-ish, but returning to the show once again, longtime friend and a fan of the show, we've got uh, Andy Chacon. Andy, how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am fantastic. And we are happy to have Andy on because we have got one of, one of the most hotly debated mm-hmm. and and talked about movies uh of last year not just in the horror genre just movies in general, in general. Yeah. this is one that a lot of people are talking about we're talking smile uh from 2022 uh you can catch it now streaming on amazon prime and wherever else it may be and this is a movie that kind of came out of nowhere and just took everybody by storm for better or for worse so in a section that we're calling intake session i want us to start off with that obvious question you've got something new here you know, is this scary? Does it work as a movie for you? Did you enjoy it? Let's start with Andy. Um, I'm going to go with the obvious. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what the movie was um, from, from the inception to the ending. Almost. I had a hard time trying, trying to identify, is this a psychological thriller? Is this, is this uh is this a horror? Obviously at the end you could tell, okay, they're going for the horror genre here, but, right. but, but, um, but there was a good, and you know what the first hour and some of the film, it, it, it had that, it had that feeling where you're watching this film and you're into it. Okay. This is psychological, man. Who You don't know what's going on. I mean, right. And, and then all of a sudden you get jump scares. You get, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so it was almost as if it wasn't necessary, you know? So if you're going for the psychological side of it, it was very good, but there were some things that were not necessary. Um, and, and, and so it was confusing for me as I watched a film to like just make make a, to come to a clear conclusion until she wandered into the old broken down house that she grew up in. Right. And at that point, you're saying, oh, OK, you know, but it was just it was a roller coaster ride of, of like, I don't know what to think, you know. And the other thing is, is that and I got to say it was done really well, um, but it really wasn't anything that I haven't seen before, you know? And and that's, and that's sort of, and that's sort of the, um, sort of like the conclusion that I came to, despite the fact that the thing made more than $200 million at the box office, you know, on a, and they made it for basically (laughs) yeah, 17, $17 million. Like, wow. So smiley too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. What about you, Dave? Um, so I, I do think that this movie is not original at all. Um, I've seen this movie before. Right. Uh, because I've seen The Grudge. Yeah. And, and I've seen Ring. 
Uh, and um, I, I kept thinking, you know, like every time the smile would come up, you know, I was like, oh, seven days. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not something new. It's not something unique. But here's the thing. How often do we find something that's new and unique mm-hmm. anymore? It's it's uh, it, everything is pastiche. You know, it's it's taken from here and taken from here. And let's throw it together and, and create something that uh, that when you boil it into this, you know, stew does come out as something new. And I think that that's what this was. I think there was enough psychological thriller here to make the the tired curse movie mm-hmm. um, feel fresh. Yeah. And 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 I think that that's what this was, because I did not care. Like I was aware the entire time that I was watching this, that it was not new and that it was not unique. Mm-hmm. And yet I didn't care. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm going to, you know, hot take here. Even something like Evil Dead 2 is not really new and unique when it comes out because it's basically just three stooges <laughs> in a cabin in the woods. Fair. That's all it is, you know? And, and so when you stop and you start thinking about that, you know, it's like, well, like did even Buster Keaton do anything new back in the twenties? You know, right. he had Harold Lloyd to think. So there's all of this stuff that, you know, kind of runs through my mind when I start wanting to knock this movie and I can't. And I think, and I think, and I'm sorry. And I think that you, that that's, that's a valid point mm-hmm. um, to the sense that I feel the same exact way, but only because it was filmed and edited very well. You know? And that's, that's a major part of it. Yeah. For, for me, you know, it's how, how good a movie is this aside from, you know, okay, I've seen this thing before, you know, like how many war movies have I seen that right. it's basically the same fucking movie. And yet I don't care why, because at the end I'm still going rah, rah USA, you know, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the feeling that I got here, you know, not rah, rah, go USA, but it, the, that was fucking awesome. That but moment also, was yeah, awesome. But also, yeah, rah, rah, go USA. But Where also, rah, rah, go USA. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. And I will say this. I think that this is one of the scariest movies I've seen in a long, long time. And for that alone, this movie has my praise. And 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 the uh, the the director, uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, Tim's, uh, Parker, Parker Finn. Finn. Parker Finn Parker. in his uh, directorial debut, his feature film directorial debut. Like, wow, I cannot wait to see what else he puts out because to make me afraid to go downstairs after the movie's done, which happened, right? Yeah. I, I needed to come downstairs and get something. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go. Do I really need it that bad? I'm I'm so happy to hear you say just that. that I mean, everything you said was great. But like the end of that thing makes me so happy because I'm 100% in that boat. Mm-hmm. We watch at least one horror movie a week to do this show. I usually watch one other one at some point. I watch <laughs> scary movies all the time. And nine out of ten times, I watch a scary movie and I go to bed and life is peachy. <laughs> Last night, when I watched this movie, um, for, for the listener, there, there, was, there was a concern that I might fall asleep during the movie last night because it's had a long day and I might not make it today. So <laughs> I finished this movie um, at about 1230 on a school night. Oh wow! And I still 
made myself sit on the couch and like, oh, I mean, I made my, I, I sat on the couch and I put on some Bob's burgers. Cause I was like, I need <laughs> some brain. Need a palate right cleanser. Yeah, yeah. Because if I, if I close my eyes in the dark right now, something awful is going to happen. Like that's just, <laughs> I was terrified yeah. by this movie. Um, yeah, so, so starting there, is it scary? God, yes. This movie was horrifying. Um, it was it was just so so scary. All that that roller coaster that that Andy talked about that never let you get comfortable with what it was. You could never settle into just trying to figure it out because as soon as you focused hard, something screamed at you, or someone's head yeah. fell off, or there was a cat <laughs> in a train box. Right? I mean, that was great. Oh, yeah. so good. But <laughs> I just I you couldn't ever get into a play like you had to force yourself to not try to concentrate on the psychological aspect because you were so scared that if you were looking really hard at the screen something was going to come out and, and eat your face i couldn't be comfortable i could not either right. i also i'm a note taker when i watch movies for this show i will usually fill two-thirds to a full page a note stuff i'm going to talk about across them. i have like four sentences and two of them are two words right because i could not <laughs> i didn't i couldn't look away I was I was I was intent on watching this movie and figuring out what this movie was, what this what what the thing was, like what was happening to these people. And I was hellbent on trying to figure it out. And multiple times in this movie, I found myself concentrating so hard on what was going to happen next and where the next thing was going to pop up that I was blindsided by something that was staring me right in the face. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think is super impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, now, again, now talking about whether it's fresh, because that was one of the things people kept coming to me and talking about how fresh and original this movie was whenever somebody would watch it. And you're right. The ring, the grudge, mm -hmm. those types of things. There's some heavy Asian influences there. But there was one particular movie that I'm not going to say this one rips off. I, I'm just going to say that, that it borrows heavily from. And it was an indie horror film that came out. I want to say it came out like 13, 14. It was called It Follows. Oh, yes. This is and very much like It Follows. This is, this is very much It Follows, where something attaches itself to you. Mm -hmm. And the only way to survive is to give it to someone else. Now, and if it follows, you'd have sex with someone else, right? So that was at least exciting. Um, and this, you've got to murder somebody, which I guess is a different kind You're of exciting. fucking over someone yeah, else. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and so, I that was the the only on, only thing, like as as these as these twenty four hours have passed, that I can think of to just kind of smash down on this movie is just the fact that. I felt like it was very, very heavily influenced by, yes, a handful of things, but it follows in particular. Um, that, be, that being said, if it, you, you take, you know, you take a form, what, you, what, what, what do you always say, right? Like GoBots got tweaked by Transformers, right? Yeah. We all, we, we all know Oreos. Oreos are the knockoff of Hydrox cookies, but right. they're better, right? So right. it's okay to take something that's out there and then make it better and make it your own thing and become, and make it your thing. So I'm not upset with them because it follows for as great as it was dragged. That's not something that this movie did. It did not drag. Ever. And I, so I really think they took that and cranked that formula. There was a film that came out in 2018 that was sort of like in the vein of Final Destination that was called Truth or Dare. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, where as soon as they didn't go through with the dare, they threw on a smiley face and they basically beefed it and died, you yes. know, and in many different ways. It wasn't a great film. But <laughs> when I was when I was thinking about this, is and I'm oh, gosh, I really hope that it goes in a whole different I had no idea what this film was. I thought perhaps maybe it was a virus zombie movie that caused a smile. I yeah, I've been no waiting for a virus the whole time. Right. So so and there were other things. See, I think that there's a difference between stealing and borrowing to pay homage to a director, which he does several times. There was a scene, and you and I watched it because you guys covered Terrifier. There was a scene in Terrifier that, for some reason, I just remembered where there was um, the same scene in, in this film where there's a shadowy figure, like a blurry figure, walking towards a car window. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. And I'm there going, wait a second. This is just like, oh, but it's better. You know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> you know? God, what a good you know? one, too. So, so there are a lot of things. Like, for example, um, the same way the same way that Flanagan and Dr. Sleep, and he does things that pays, you know, homage to Kubrick, and and you see sort of the same thing that he does with the, with the over-the-top film, you know, how he, like, shoots down, uh, sort of, but it's not, it's not stealing. It's, it's just borrowing. Right. You know, and and that to me was extremely important, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I like this movie, because there are some directors that straight up just steal stuff and 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 just try to pass it off on their own. But he doesn't do that. He does not do that. And what he does is he takes this and he makes it unique. You know, so so despite the fact that it is something that I've seen before, you know, um, even at the very end when you see when you see the CGI and all that stuff. Had a little bit of a hard time with it, but then you got to see how the person is in the final stages and then yes. fully becomes cursed. And you're going, whoa, that's something James Wan didn't do, you know, and you <laughs> yeah. say to yourself, that is freaking awesome. And then because you've seen it, you've seen the people turn in the film, but you don't you don't see what they're seeing, you know, yes. right. And that's what made that ending awesome. You know, to me, you know, so, so, so I think, I think that, that with all of these different attributes from, from here or there, I mean, cause obviously, uh, obviously it, it is like you're mentioning it, 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 like the grudge in the ring. Um, but, but it, but it, it goes into its own, its own vein. It has its own uniqueness to it. And, and, and although I struggled with it, I mean, that ending sort of just like, you know, uh, just made me say, you know what? I, I I'll watch this again, despite because I know what it is, you know, right. and and I'll enjoy it now more because I know what it is, you know. So, well, we're 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 kind of getting into story, right? I'm sorry, um, and no, no, you're and that's good. perfect because that segue, that's, baby, that's a go. perfect segue <laughs> to 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 our next uh, topic, which we're going to call. How does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> And so, uh, Andy, you just spoke a little bit about story, so I'm going to throw it to Daniel. Um, but the question is to both of you. Um, does the story work? You know, you mentioned that it was very complex, a little hard to follow sometimes, um, and, and, and maybe not even knowing what exactly it is. But is it effective? Is the story itself scary, or is it things like jump scares that are scary? And, um, and did it work for you? So... I think that when you look at the story of this movie, uh, you can kind of break it into a couple different parts as to uh, determine whether or not it works or not. I think one of those parts that you need to look at is the fact that 
there was, we were never put into the position of the omniscient viewer in this mm-hmm. movie. We were never given any more information than Sosie Bacon had. Uh, and so we were experiencing this with her. If we were learning something, it's because she was living it. Mm-hmm. And that can be a that can be a tough way to make a movie, and that, that can be something that is very confusing. But in a situation like this, that made the movie, I thought that made the story really good. Yeah. There was there was one moment of exposition in this entire film. And it, it happened, or it was like it was a combination of like two moments. There was the cop explaining that this went back twenty people, and then mm-hmm. meeting the guy in in the prison. Mm-hmm. But even then, they never they never gave us some lesson about you know some ancient Danish witch doctor that right. that created this or something or <laughs> Brazilian. It was Brazil is where he said he found it before, right? Yeah. And they, you know, they, they didn't try to to feed us a bunch of, you know, their headcanon on where this started. It was just like, yeah, nobody fucking knows, right? It's wild. Right. And and they let us live in that mystery and that oddness that surrounded this from the same perspective that she was living it. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really cool. I did like that element of the story. I think that another part of the story is the fact that that, that just made it incredible, that made it so scary, is that is they establish very early on that nothing, uh, it's a lot like when we did Oculus, nothing you see can be trusted. Why? Because we're seeing the world through, I, just, I'm, I keep calling her Sosie Bacon. What was her? I know she has uh, a roach. Uh, Rose, there we go. Um, you know, because we're, we're, we're living this with Rose. And if she can't trust anything she sees, why should we as the viewer get to trust what we see? Right. You know, there are some incredible things we see. We see the train go in the box. We see her wrap the box. Why would we believe for a second that, uh, uh, what was it, Biscuit? The, the no. Biscuit? Um, mustache. mustache mustache there we go I, I which i'm so whisker. i'm sorry that is like one of the worst names for any animal in any movie ever i mean but i'm sure there's I, a dog running around named eyebrow i mean it's, yeah. hey, I'll, I'll have you know i had a pet rabbit when i was uh roughly seven or eight years old that i named mustache did, yeah did you he were, have, did he you have were the seven Chaplin years Hitler? old well yeah <laughs> no, and, and, yeah did he was, had the charlie chaplin is that why he had the charlie chaplin yeah, yeah. yeah. and and i i didn't want to call him adolf so, yeah, exactly. guys, so it was you know, it's just like it's like it's like naming a black cat with white feet socks right so right. you have to you, you just got to so oh, yeah. you know so but for why for any for any stretch of the imagination until two and a half seconds after he opens the box when you all suddenly have the realization at the same time as her why would you assume that something awful is going to happen there? Right. Mm-hmm. we got to live that and that that fragmentation of reality through film added to the fact that you just spent i i ever since we ever mentioned on this podcast that, that everybody's like ah sinister is so scary because people watch heart rates when when i'm watching a movie and i'm genuinely feeling scared i keep an eye on my heart rate on my watch resting heart rate low 60s i stayed in the 90s for like this whole movie like i just <laughs> never relaxed yeah and and all of those little things that I think that, and the, the cherry on top being getting the happy ending and then finding out that the thing is still Fuck just fucking with her, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's so good because you mm-hmm. finally, they lead you to this moment where you think you can, they, they convince you that now you can believe what you see 
just to absolutely rip your heart out of your chest. And that uh, those two things, the, the fragmentation of all of that and the, the complete lack of knowledge that we had as the viewer, I think led to a story that did it make a whole bunch of sense? No. Did it make absolutely the amount of sense that it had to no more, no less 100%. Andy? I, I want to say that you mentioned something that was absolutely true for me. Um, I, I got a better, a stronger grasp of the film and probably my favorite part of the film is when they were in Altoona in that prison. And she mentions that it was, I'm talking about myself and that guy goes absolutely ballistic. Oh yeah. It went ape. It was a scary moment. It was. And just his reaction makes you understand that this is much worse than what you understand it to be. Mm -hmm. And then the explanation of what it is that you have to do in order to get rid of it. And you could tell that that guy went through hell and back to get rid of it so much so that he ended up in prison. And if you notice, she almost went through it too. But at the end of the day, it was one of those psychotic hallucinations that just led her back to like right in front of the house. And you're saying to yourself, oh, wow. So she's not going through with it. Right. You know, it, it was it, it was those twists that made the story even better. But for me, that moment in that prison just made me say, OK, I'm 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 heavily in now, because if this guy believes that if this guy knows how horrible this thing is, then I want to see how horrible this thing is. Yes. You know, and so that's what got me to like to like just stay on and more, I got more into it at that point, because up to that point, it was just questions and questions and wondering and, you know, and you just, and you just didn't, didn't know, but it was sort of like it it culminated to that point. Everything grew to that point. It felt, it felt like, like it was like a rising action to just kept on building and building and building and building until the guy went nuts, you know? Yeah. And then you say to yourself, okay, dude, I'm strapping on. I'm going to ride this one all the way home because now you got me. Now you have me. It's an amazing story. It is an absolutely amazing story because of that. That, that sometimes in films, small part, there, you know what I'm saying? There are no small parts, only, only small, small actors. actors. Yeah. That guy had a small part, but he played it to the fucking T. And he made yeah. me. It's because of him. It was because of him that the story just kept on moving on in an awesome direction. You know, despite me saying that I've seen this all before, there's originality in that. There was originality in the acting, you know, there's originality in all of that. And she, at that point, is still saying, dude, what the hell? I, I, I mean, you're, you're leaving me and I'm pretty much all alone again, you know? And I feel sorry for the cop, though, because every time the guy would help him out, she would say, so you want to have a conversation about that? No, no, I don't want to talk to you. You know, I'll figure it out on my own. It's like, dude, you know, and at the, and at the end, poor, poor guy, you know, but mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, he's he's a great actor. Um, he's He's been in all those. Uh, he's in all the Defenders shows. The Defender shows, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Daredevil and, uh, you know, Punisher and all that. Um, I think he's also in Stranger Things. Um, he's He's one of the... Um, 
He uh, is. You're not, right. Not he's the one sheriff, of the, police but the, the deputies. Yeah. He's one of the deputies. Yep. Uh, so he's one of those guys that like he's been on like, you know, in your in your awareness for a while. Uh, so it's nice to see him get like a real solid piece of acting. Right. And, um, even, and even if it was just for like, what, two, three minutes? Yeah, but what a two or three minutes. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. Um, and I, I absolutely love the story for me, uh, aside from how scary this movie is, the story I think was, um, my, my second favorite aspect of this movie. And, um, it has to do, I think with, I think it has to do with the ending and I couldn't yeah. decide whether I liked the ending right away. So I'm kind of glad that, uh, that I screwed up last week, last week, I texted Daniel about 10 minutes into smile. And I said, hey, we're doing Smile this week, right? And he said, uh, well, nope, we're doing Leprechaun because uh, it's St. Patty's Day. And I was like, I guess I'm watching Leprechaun tomorrow because I was already balls deep into Smile and I was not about to turn it off. So right. I've had about a week to think about right. this. I've had eight days to think about this. I didn't know how I felt about that ending because as this is an exploration of trauma and – what trauma does to you as a person, right? To your psyche. Um, I thought it was a rather bleak ending. Right. And, and I was like, okay, well, what, what is Finn trying to say here with, with this movie? Like, is he, is he trying to say that uh, whether or not you deal with your trauma, you're fucked. And I thought about that for a while and I thought, well, it's honest if it's what he truly believes. Hey, for, for the Trekkie fan, resistance is futile. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so, so I started thinking, I'm like, man, there's a lot of people in this world that have tried to deal with trauma, and it's really difficult, Yeah, you know? And then I started thinking about it a little more. And I don't think that that's why that ending is so bleak. I think the ending is so bleak because we see a number of people here not deal with their trauma. And right. attempt mm -hmm. to deal with trauma by way of deflecting. Yeah, by, right? by, 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 by dealing with other people's trauma because it's easier. Right. So it's, it starts at the very beginning with her, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we see her force others as a therapist. She's not a good therapist. We see her <laughs> force others to ignore their trauma. She tells them, and she says the same thing to two different people with very different problems. She tells them the same thing. She says, I know it feels like this right now, but you, you need to work through this. And you can't speak to two people who are suffering from two mm -hmm. totally different psychological uh, you know, situations in exactly the same way. We are not psychologists, but we are teachers. Yeah. And so you know, we do kind of have to play psychologists sometimes. I don't deal with all students in exactly the same way. And I would hope that a therapist doesn't deal with their patients in exactly the same way. Cause they have a lot more training than I do. Right. So we see how that ends up for both of these people. Right. Um, but then we also see her sister. That's the next person that I think we see that doesn't deal with their trauma. And she's right. living this fake life yeah. where, where it's all PTA meetings and uh, you know, and rose bushes and, and wine at birthday parties yeah you know and 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 here's the thing i love that shit <laughs> i love it all right i'm a bougie motherfucker my i would deal with goes, most of my shit yeah my, my, my kid goes to yeah. 
my kid goes to a private school. I go to those kind of parties, you know, those birthday parties where you show up there and it's like, hey, uh, do you want uh, do you want something from this microbrewery or would you like something that grew off of this vine over here? And it's like, yeah. To both. Just right. Yes. yes. Right. Um, so so well, I, I, I get that. So I've got the but, two hands. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're using that as a way to like not be yourself and to not face what happened to you, because in fact, you, 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 you ran away from it from the beginning. You have a lot of stuff that you've got to work through. Right. And you're the last person that should be coming up to your younger sister who you abandoned and saying, like, you got to deal with your shit. You don't have yeah. your life together, right? We see the next guy, which is uh, Rob Morgan as, uh, as Tally, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't deal with it either. And he claims, I beat it. I did what I had to do, but he didn't. He made it someone else's problem. And subsequently, he's living in his own prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's not living. He's in prison. Right. He's physically imprisoned in the same way that we are all like psychologically imprisoned by our own jail cells that we build to protect ourselves from the things that hurt us, from the things that harm us. Whether it's uh, having fancy schmancy birthday parties for kids that neither care nor want them or it's physically sitting in a jail cell. Right. And then we have Rose, Dr. Carter. Right. And. We think that she's dealing with her trauma, but she's not. It is a very surface level attempt to get rid of a symptom and not get mm -hmm. rid of the uh, of of the of the actual issue. What she wants is to get rid of the shit that is making her feel bad, but she doesn't want to get rid of the thing that's making her feel bad, right? You know, it's like the person who's constantly saying, I don't know why bad shit is constantly happening to me as they, you know, down, you know, the their their fourth or, or, or fifth pint of Guinness, you know, like, well, my friend, I can tell you why you got to fucking cut that shit out. Yeah. Right. You know, if you've got an issue, don't start looking at the problems that come about because of that issue and say, but I don't understand. And that's exactly what happens with her. She never truly faces her demons. She faces the problems that come about because of the demon. Right. It's very reactionary about it. Mm -hmm. Extremely reactionary. And if she was any good as a psychologist, she'd know that you've got to get well, to the core of the issue. I mean, right? And she's not even a good patient either. Because when <laughs> right. she goes to her psychologist, she's like, you never dealt with this stuff. Like, they tell us exactly <laughs> what the issue is right there. Yeah, it's like, right. you never dealt with this. You yeah, want medication, and right? And, and that's, that's the thing. Like, she wants to be medicated to forget. Yes. She doesn't want to be medicated to get better. Yeah, she immediately just assumes like, oh, well, I know a doctor. You know, I, I'm a doctor. I know doctors. I know what medicine to ask for. Right. That's what's going to work and blah, 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 you know? No, I think that she – I think when you're watching it, when, when she sees, uh, when she sees uh, this guy's reaction, you would think that there – despite the fact that he got rid of the trauma, he's still dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And yet she doesn't catch on that, you know, and she just takes the tangible route to try to get – rid of it and that doesn't work you know so, well, so, we, hear so um, we hear so often that like you can't love someone unless you love yourself mm -hmm. you can't help someone unless you have helped yourself right and 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 i i think we see that so often people so willing to give advice and it's like 
my man, have you looked at your fucking life? You're giving <laughs> me advice? Like, listen, my life's fucking on fire and not in a good way. Like, it's fucking burning back here. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like the dog with the mug. Like, you know, this is fine. You know, I get that. But fucking handle your shit before you come and start telling me what the fuck to do. And I like this, this idea, you're telling that. As, as the story progresses and you're talking about just um, just finding out step after step of the fact that she's not good at her job mm-hmm. like like the medicine that she asked for didn't she ask for risperidone when she went mm-hmm. to that yep. when she went to the, right. that is like a hardcore antipsychotic mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that is that is a that is a you are a schizophrenic and this is now your life. And she just walked by. Like yeah, you never get just, off that. Yeah. And she just walks up like she's just going to hand her a week's worth so she can just get some sleep. That's that's crazy. Like that, that and, right did, there. Did she really think that her doctor was just going to look at her and be like, oh, you want this incredibly powerful antipsychotic? Yeah. No problem. <laughs> Yeah, like, and so, so then, so then you start to backtrack through that, and you're like, wow, how often does she meet somebody? And she's like, oh, you see things. Here's a here's medicine. You have to stay on for the rest of your life now. Peace. Like, you know, it's, just... what, it's what it makes me sad to consider that conversation. What's the name of Kumar? What's his name? What's his real name? Cal Penn. There yeah. you go, Cal Penn. I mean, that there's a conversation where she's saying, where he tells her, take a week off. You've been working eighty hour weeks. Yeah. I mean apparently he doesn't realize that she's a bad shrink too, because she's been working 80 hour weeks, you know? So that doesn't make any freaking sense to me either. But, right. but, but, um, but, um, you, you start to think, man, how much damage she's caused, you know, yeah. in those 80 hours. man. Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's a lot of people to see, in one, and, in, and, you know, working 80 and, hour and, weeks. And, and we only saw two of them. Yeah. One, one of right. which, one of which, um, was a repeat patient. Exactly. And the other ones are just off themselves the first time she saw them. I mean, immediately. Yeah. Now, yeah. did either of you see, uh, Laura hasn't slept? I did not. Like, as I was researching this today, um, I, I read about Laura, had, Laura hasn't slept, but I didn't no. realize that that was like a short film that this was Is based it right. On. But I, I don't, I don't know where to find it. I was actually considering it. So, um, I bought the movie, uh, and it came as a uh, as an extra as a special feature. So I'm not sure if you can access that through Amazon Pram. Uh, Pram. Ah, uh, oh, yes, Amazon Pram. Yeah, uh, you stick your baby in it, and then Amazon <laughs> will send you all the things that the baby needs. You know, order your Amazon Pram today. Um, on Amazon Prime, I don't know if you can access that sort of stuff. I know that occasionally um, through streaming services, they do give you access to that. Right. Um, but I think it's usually when it's like their original content. Yeah. Um, but really interesting. I think it's on YouTube. Um, I don't think it's particularly good. Okay. To be honest. Um, but you can see where the beginnings of this movie are. And um, Laura uh, is played by uh, the same girl that plays Laura at the beginning of this movie. Uh, who you know offs herself with the oh yeah with, with the with the clay from the plant? Um, oh. It's uh, that scene is kind of a redone version of the entire film of Laura hasn't slept because it's about you know seven or eight minutes long. Oh, okay. um, it's it's very interesting because the 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 smile monster that entity makes an appearance in the movie, and that is the thing that she believes that 
is haunting her that the reason why she can't sleep. So it's really interesting to see how the movie evolved from that idea to what we got in that opening scene, you know, in that room. And I, I much prefer the full length version. Wow. All right. Yeah. Particularly good. I think so. So we, so we've spent our time now just crapping on Rose as a therapist, but there are, (laughs) there, there are other people um, that we, that we need to look at. So in our, in a section we're calling up therapists and patients. I mean, let's look at this cast because there's a lot of faces in this movie, but there's only a handful of people that, that make an impact on what's happening here. So for better or worse, good or bad, I mean, who stands out in this movie for you, Dave? Um, you know, there's a couple of people, actually. I think the acting was particularly good. Uh, Rob Morgan, although he's really only in one scene, fuck, what a scene. And we, we already talked about that, but I, I, I kind of wanted to throw that out there again. Like, he's really fucking good. Um, someone who I, I really like every time I see her, uh, which is not often, uh, but often enough for me to say, oh, that's her, is uh, Robin Weigert. Uh, who played uh, Dr. Northrup. She, I thought, was really great. It's the chick from Deadwood, right? The chick from Deadwood. Yeah, yeah that's that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, from Deadwood. Um, and, and she was really great. Um, and, and that scene where she gets the phone call from the actual Dr. Northrup while she's right, talking yeah. to her yes. was one of those where, like, you, you talk about, like, you know, you see the train go in the box, you see it be wrapped why would you think that the cat is in there right we see her in the house we assume that like the boyfriend let her in we never once think that is the entity mm-hmm. and yet when that when, when she hears her voice on the phone like and the thing is like i always realized it I, i'm as i'm sure you guys did just before she did right right so it's like the phone rings and i'm like Fuck! It's gonna be the it's gonna be the doctor in there. Yeah, did the and same then thing. It was. As, it's like as soon as he was opening the present, I was like, "Oh the no!" Cats in the box, mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and and so like it that mo the it's the but is it actually her? Those like maybe four or five seconds that like your your heart is in your throat and 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 it's and and it's racing in your throat, and and it's it's uh it's it's such an exhilarating fright that's happening at that moment and 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 the way that the smile just comes across her face uh it it, it was it was really right. really good uh so you know a small role but i think i think a really really powerful one uh and then the, the other one i'll mention is uh caitlin stassi as laura weaver at the, the at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie mm-hmm. um she did a really great job of playing someone who knew she wasn't crazy but was crazy <laughs> yeah it's um you know and and i have unfortunately had to visit people at um uh behavioral units and hospitals where you know you see all sorts of stuff and that's what you see you see a lot of people who truly believe that what is happening to them is real who truly be- and, and it is real to them Right. Uh, but the, the the sort of delusion that's going on there, like it's it's sad and it's frightening at the same time. It's absolutely scary to be in one of those places, even if only for a handful of minutes where you're not really experiencing it. So I can't I can't imagine what it's like 
for someone like Dr. Cotter, right? Or someone like Weaver, who's a PhD candidate, you yeah. know, who's, who's who's working in that field, you know? Um, so I think she did a really great job of, of not just playing someone who was nuts because it's easy to play crazy, right? Um, at least I think it is. You know, you just, you go over the top, but that's not what she did. She played it really subtle. There's there, there's a lot of like tiny she, little nuances to her performance that that really really sold it. And it was it was so solid the way that she presented herself in that where she she started off and she was so skittish and she was up against the wall and then mm-hmm. when she finally comes to like she has that moment of clarity you know where she's saying look I know I sound crazy but I'm not crazy. I'm a PhD candidate. This I do this, I do that. Like all of these things in my life are right, but yeah. there's this one thing and I need you to believe that it's real. Mm-hmm. And, and just that there was there was a there was an intensity to that where she went from skittish scared to like I said, it just I mean, clear as I need you to believe as, me. Yeah, mm-hmm. clear as that Gulf Coast water, right? Like you just you knew yeah. she was she was seeing through everything right there. And mm-hmm. that was her moment to cut through the noise. And and you know, all those times that Rose attempted to explain what was wrong, she was never able to cut through in a way that made her seem not crazy. Mm-hmm. But the but at the beginning, uh, Caitlin Stucci's character in that moment, it was easy to believe that she was being haunted by something because she found a center yeah. to come from that was that was really good. And, and, and that was one of the things, one of the problems that Rose always had. She was never able to find that space to where you believed that she was being sane in what she was saying. Mm-hmm. I believed uh, Laura, when she said that, when when she said this is real, I was like, okay, somebody needs to listen to her because right yeah. now she's clear headed and we don't know how long it's going to last. So for the next X number of minutes, we need to pay attention to everything mm-hmm. she says. And she she played that so perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that one. That that one was. And, and she, she was she is the reason I, I really, truly believe that she and Parker Finn are the reason the only two reasons why we have this movie at all because although Parker Finn wrote and and directed and and I really do think that he's a very very competent director right um he's great behind a camera uh but like she's the one that's great in front of the camera and she's the one who made Laura hasn't slept <clears throat> the success that it was and the reason why it's South by Southwest, everyone was like, well, we got to fucking see like a full length version of this. That Carpenter Russell magic. I want, I want (laughs) to continue with Caitlin. Um, So, so when you're watching the beginning of the film and you see her acting the way that she is, um, imagination comes into play. I mean, when you're talking about a psychological thriller, you don't necessarily need to see what they see in order to understand what they're going through if they're doing a good job and then and then you'll believe it but then you watch the end of the film and then you you see rose going through the same thing mm-hmm. then i start then i close my eyes and i go back to that first scene and i put the entity in that room and my imagination makes puts puts another character in that one scene and i realize why it is that she's acting the way that she is right because she comes to the culmination of that smile so you know at the end of the film what it is that she went through 
you know, and that to me was, was, was just amazing. Um, because she's acting against nothing. She's acting against nothing, mm -hmm. but we see what she's acting against at the end of the film. You right. know, and that, that to me was absolutely amazing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw this again. Uh, 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 I mean, the to me, the nitrous um, in the film is Robin Morgan. That that is for me what what pushes the film it, to the point of where the, the direction that it needs to go. That small role just pushes it in the direction that it needs to go. It, it was like it was like nitrous. It was like nitrous. It was boom and 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 um, and that small part to me um, was absolutely amazing and. Obviously, I don't know much about about uh, Susie Bacon. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what else she's done, honestly. Um, but I got to say, this, this has to be her first big role, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. Like I. It's I mean, the only things that I've seen her in are the commercials that she does with her dad. And, <laughs> right. And that's it. Uh, she was in 13 Reasons Why. Okay. Um. Mayor of Easttown. I mean, but these are things that that are yeah, yeah. They're they're all, they're all small things. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so to me, to me, you need someone to carry the story from inception to ending, and she does it so well. You know that that it's sort of like I, I you know, I, I hitch myself to this and uh, to this train, and it's taken me the the entire weight, and it's a good ride. So as far as as her as as her character carrying the film she does a phenomenal job an absolutely yeah. phenomenal yeah job. she she does that really good job of portraying what it, it for you know for so often in the horror movie somebody is sane one minute and then completely insane the next mm -hmm. right and, and you take your you know any dark castle film you go back through any of these things they there's always this idea that insanity just comes on you that quickly what we get out of her is somebody that we know is very intelligent we know has a, and a very good insight into how the human brain works and so we get to watch that slow decline, uh, which is which is a which is a great performance from her. It also just cracks me up how you you'll be looking at her and, and at very very first, first blush when this movie started, I was like, "Is that Hillary Swank?" Right? Like that was that was the very first thing I thought. I, I like, honestly it? thought that it was a reincarnation of Ali Sheedy for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> then it's like both okay, those so are right. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, okay, so it's Susie Bacon. And then she smiles and it's like, oh yeah, that's Kyra Cedric's daughter. Like right there. Right. That, yes. Yeah. Like it's all right in here. Like as soon as she starts moving her mouth, it's like, that is definitely Kyra Cedric's daughter. Um, so I think, I think that she did a really great job. I did enjoy what she brought to the film. Um, I just, I, there, there, there's a, there's an actor in this film and he didn't do anything spectacular in it, but this is just a guy that I have loved for basically his entire career. Kyle Gallner, as Joel, the the ex boyfriend cop, um, he didn't do anything spectacular. Just shout out to Kyle Gallner. I've loved the guy since he played Bart Allen on Smallville. Yeah, um, he was a perfect Bart Allen in, in, on Smallville, and the guy has been out here just cranking out low budget horror films. Like if you go if you go look up his IMDb or his wiki or whatever in the past, like dude dropped three counting this one he was in three horror films released last year he was in Scream yeah. he was in The Roost 
and he was in this. And in the years leading up to that, it's like he'll do he he's got he's got the look for the, something dark. So it's like dark comedy, horror film, dark comedy, horror film. Like <laughs> yeah, that's Je- his Jennifer's whole, body, nightmare on <laughs> Yeah, like it's just that's that's the guy's whole MO. But mm-hmm. I just I love it. I think that he played it exactly how we had to play it. You could tell that, you know, there was that again not being spoon-fed things it's like okay obviously there was a relationship there kind of fell apart he's not over it cool cool you know and he he played all of that very well down to the very end when we got the him that wasn't him and uh and he he played through that moment perfectly so that that was one that just that just made my heart happy i did just i love seeing this guy in films um i he's always a lot of fun to watch um you know, a train from the boys as Trevor. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, it was, it was kind of fun <laughs> to see him not be a train. Um, but I think that, I think that when it comes down to it, you know, you can't, you can't really put the, the, the weight of this movie being good or bad on anybody, but Rose, Sosie Bacon. I mean, mm-hmm. she just, she dominated this role. She, uh, just so many little things that she did when she goes to uh, visit Joel the first time, and right before she knocks on the door, she realizes the bandages um, from when she fell through the coffee table mm-hmm. are showing. And she kind of has a moment of panic where she, she tries mm-hmm. to pull that sleeve up to hide that from him. And that, that moment went after we see that mustache was in the box and she's standing in the room, just losing her mind because it is beyond her how she can see something that no one else can and that it is and that it is just ruining her life which as as we found out from uh from her boss from Cal Pena you know, she's working she's working 80 hour weeks obviously the the idea of perfecting mental health is something that has destroyed her own uh over all of these years and so now it's happening to her and there was a there was a desperation and a helplessness in everything that she portrayed on screen that all of that shined through that idea of like dave said not willing to not not accepting that you can't help others without helping yourself you know she medicate me so i can get back to my life and, but then and like i said you just hope that that's not her mo when she's treating people but she views like herself right um, it might be but there's also that idea that she just views herself as not one of those people, right? I'm not crazy. This is just, I'm just, what, she, yeah, she, you know, she's got all the medical terms. It's like, oh, these are echoes of the symptoms of my patients. And, you know, she's throwing out all the right buzzwords. And you're just going, it's not just that she doesn't want to accept this is happening because it's, it's, cuckoo bananas right she she doesn't want to accept this is happening because if she does then what puts her in a position of power to help these other people if she becomes one of these people who's having break who's having psychotic breaks and who's losing touch with reality then where does she get any right to uh to to help these people who come to her who she has based everything she does her life around she's skipping nephew's birthday parties to work saturdays obviously everything she does revolves around the the fact that she's trying to help these people and it if she's one of these people then then her entire identity is lost and there's nothing left of her. And the performance that Sosie Bacon put on screen to show all of that, because again, going back to story, going back to the way all of this was directed, 
nothing was spoon fed to us in this movie. And yet I wasn't left with any questions except for the one at the end where you're going, well, shit, what happens to Joel now? Right. <laughs> and that's the one that we're supposed to be left with. At no point was I sitting around going, wait a minute. Why did no, like here's a, here's B we got you there. Love it or hate it. And, and she took all of that and took what was a paper thin plan for a character and brought it to life in just absolutely miraculous ways. So hang on just a second. We, yep. we do, we got, we got a comment ah. coming in here from, uh, from Greg MB. So this is the first time catching the podcast live. Really appreciate what you guys are doing. I have a list of movies you need to see now. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at ShiverPod, or you can shoot that list to us at ShiverPod at gmail.com. Greg, we'd love to see it. We'll just send it back with checks next to the ones we've seen already. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a lot. I, I keep, I'm always surprised by the movies we haven't done on the show yet. I am too. Like every, every, we, we, We've Dave never and done I have this Elm Street. Yeah. Dave and I have this conversation all the time. Have you, have you guys done Dead Ringers? No. I haven't oh, seen wow. Dead Ringers. No. In what? fact, we, yeah. we have, we haven't done any Cronenberg. No, we haven't. Oh, wow. I've been yeah. dying to do video. Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Oh, video drama is awesome. I was going to yeah. say, Cronenberg and Lynch are two big holes in, mm -hmm. in stuff that we've done so far. So, yeah. So, Greg, shoot that list to us, man. We'd love to see it. Yeah. Um, definitely would. Thanks. Thanks for catching us live. Um, so, we've, we've got really only two things to talk about, and they're kind of linked together. Uh, so, in, in a section that we're calling Deliberately Derivative, um, I want to talk about the kind of horror that's in this movie. Uh, Andy, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you couldn't tell whether the movie wanted to be a psychological thriller or it wanted to be a horror movie. And uh, you kind of decided towards the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but was there anything that worked for you as far as the horror goes? Um, do, do you think that that sort of identity crisis works in a movie where people are working through psychological issues? Um, is that a statement? Am I reaching? I don't know. I think, um, uh, <laughs> I think that, that, um, there's one thing that I did mention before and, uh, when she's going through her issue where she, she thinks she's in the middle of a situation, but then. Um, as soon as that situation comes to a T, she's, she's like in her car or somewhere else. I mean, mm -hmm. that was absolutely necessary, but there are a couple of jump scares in the film that I don't think were necessary. Um, because to me, that's not what this movie is. Um, uh, but like, for example, the cat in the box, absolutely necessary. That right. needed to happen, you know? Where's a mustache? Where's a mustache? There's mustache. All right. <laughs> okay. That needed to happen. Mm -hmm. But the scene at the very beginning where she's sitting there and then there's this dark figure, you know, just comes out of nowhere. And that's a jump scare. It's, it seems like it was put there just for the sake of getting that scare. I mean, and although, although it did affect me, it did its job. I don't think that it was necessary. I'd so, also I'd also like to point out that that one of the things I will knock this movie for is that I think was the best jump scare and they put it in the trailer and I was kind of disappointed. Oh really? Yeah. And and I don't I watch a lot of trailers, but this one just because I had no from idea the very what it was, first trailer, but the it was, very it was first trailer had that moment in uh -huh. there 
And so maybe maybe that I, was just a, a way to like market the film. Okay, maybe because as soon right. as she had those headphones on, I was like, ah, shit, when's it gonna happen? Yes, it still got me, but I knew a jump scare was coming because I'd seen the scene with her on the headphones, and I'd seen I think it was her mom. It was the mom's face that popped up and said her name and scared her right there. For right. me, it was the, it was the one in the car, you know, where right, where the but- sister's neck kind of swings down, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's a it's a great moment, but the moment she was in her car. I was like, oh, this is going to happen now. Right. I was, I, I like, I don't even know. <laughs> in, in hindsight, I 100% should have known that that was coming before the moment that you, you know, like before the moment, right before it happens, when you realize when that you can only see the sister from here down. Right. Um, that you realize that's going to happen. And then it got me. But like it's still like that. That's one where in hindsight, I'm like, how did I not see that one coming? Like the little the, right. the blurry figure coming. They set toward, it up so right. They set right. it up so beautifully, and I don't know what I was focused on, like what I was waiting right. to happen. But that wasn't it, Chief. Because oh, hmm, I right. we we've talked about this on the show before. I like next stuff. Yeah, yeah, like next stuff. Just broke like broken bone stuff. Just right. gets me like. I will terrify her. Yeah, yeah. Throw salt in the wound, punch the mashed potatoes in the face hole. And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah. But as soon as you, as soon as you start breaking bones or bending body parts in the wrong direction, like my stomach just jumps right. all the way up into here. I'm like, oh. So, so I think, I think, okay. So I struggled uh, up to a certain point of the film trying to figure out what it was, but sitting here and thinking about this, uh, perhaps maybe this is, I'm not going to say perfect, but I'm going to say that this is a very strong attempt of, of, of a marriage between a psychological thriller and a horror. Yeah. You know, I'm with you, you know, so, so, um, so that, that's why I'm, that's why I'm at with the film, you know, but I think that I want to watch it again because I'll appreciate it more knowing what I went through, you know, I'll appreciate the film for the story, I, I know what's going to happen, but but when you're on that when you're on that trip and you don't know where you're going and you're afraid you're going to be, you know, thrown down thrown down some path that oh man I don't want to go down that path I'm going to waste my time watching this. But now that I've seen it, it's I mean it's it is it is a, a journey that I'm willing to take a second time. I need to watch this movie a second time. Yeah, know? I agree. I when when I look at an identity to slap onto this movie. Right. And you're, and you're trying to think of just kind of what it, what it is, like, what was it trying to be? And I think that it just, in my head, this movie just wanted to be the, it just, it just wanted to be scary. Right. And I think that that's why we get the jump scares intense scenes. I think that's why we get the things that are almost throwaway, make you question your sanity scares the very first time she sees the patient when she's sitting there in the dark in the kitchen drinking the wine and it's just it's just barely there the 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 visage of of her patient with the smile on and and you're you're wondering wait is it there is she just kind of seeing some sort of like it's like a PTSD echo it was so good because it would have been one thing to just have the girl in her kitchen and yeah, that would have been scary. And she would have had a much different reaction right. again, going back to the way that she played it, but she, that's not what made her drop her glass. Right. It was, it was a train coming in that, that, that is what yeah. got her and, and made her drop the glass. And so 
because she was in that same headspace of like, Ooh, yeah, this is, this is really sticking with me from today. And so you've got the stuff like that. You've got this, the idea that it, something that, that hits home for so many people, this idea of just unresolved trauma, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're, we're all around the same age and, and it's, it's like, it's kind of this general consensus that we're finally into this era where it's, it's okay to openly discuss these things and, and to understand that, that trauma exists in varying levels and that everybody has different types from different things. And so it, it becomes very topical there and it addresses something that's very real for so many people. And so you get that kind of that, that real life horror, you get the jump right. scares, you get the tension. I, I, I like to think that uh, just kind of when, when he sat down, when, when Parker Finn sat down and, and decided to make this movie, he went with the, you know, just the, that, that gumbo approach that we've talked right. about. And it's like, I just, I want to make something scary. And so I, I think that it might, that it, it's purposefully hard to slap just one of these labels on this movie, except for just calling it scary. And, and I'm okay with that. Right. One of the films, I, I know that I, it's not a good idea to like, uh, to like have a, a metric or a measure. One of my, one of my favorite psychological thillers is Jacob's Ladder. Hell yes. Okay. So Again, whenever a movie where you never know what's actually happening. Exactly. So when I was, uh, so when I'm sitting here watching this and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this is a psychological thriller. Okay. Jacob's Ladder. Let's see how it measures up. But then it throws that horror twist into it. It's like, all right, it's not better, but it's good. Right. You know, yeah. you know? so. And I, I think that's okay. And I think one of the reasons why I'm so okay with the jump scare and the use of the jump scare in this movie is because I don't really think of them as jump scares. The, uh, the jump scare for me is one that comes completely out of nowhere and it's cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think that when a movie relies on jump scares it's cheap right mm-hmm. but it, it it that's not to say that it isn't an effective method of scaring you uh, it's just after the fact nothing sticks with you if that's what you used as a crutch to scare mm-hmm. and this movie doesn't um so i don't really consider it jump scares because even taken on their own there's always a setup for them there's tension that starts building from the moment that scene starts. And I go back to that scene with uh, Dr. Northrup when she's walked into her house and there she is, you know, that's when this, that's when the tension starts, right? Because we've just come down from the scene before and now it's starting to ramp, right? Where's a train. Did he let you in? Right. Why are you here? And then Northrup keeps coming at her and she's like, I don't like the way that we, and she keeps doing the, uh, the therapist thing, right? Mm-hmm. The, well, and, and so how does that make you feel thing until the phone rings? And then when the phone rings is when you realize there's a world outside of these two. So who's on the phone? And then there's a couple of seconds when you're like, it's her on the phone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But you don't know. And your mind keeps telling you, no, that's her there. But you're like, 
the, the other mind, the lizard brain is like, nah, nah, the fuck it ain't. <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's more than just a jump scare. It's not just the, the camera pans and there she is with the smile coming on her face. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more than just the camera pans. And there's Laura, you know, bathed in darkness in the kitchen. It's more than just there's the mom. It's more than just there's the sister's neck. Everything was led up to. So it's not cheap. In fact, he's leading you right to it. Right. He hopes that you drink from the water that he's led you to. Right. Except just like Marissa Tomei says in in My Cousin Vinny. Bam, Bam. you know, (laughs) a bullet hits you in the forehead. Do you give a fuck what kind of pants the son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? No, I don't care. I don't (laughs) care that it was a jump scare. I don't care that you shot me in the fucking head while I was drinking from the water you led me to. What I care is about all the shit that happened before. And that's the stuff that really sticks with me. It's not the jump scares because jump scares, again, are cheap. But if the rest of it sticks with me, man, that's really fucking effective. And that's really scary. And that's atmospheric. And that's what sticks with you. Man, and so and it makes the jump scare mean something. And the, the, there's that moment when she's staring, when she answers the phone from the security company. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and you know, give us the password. Oh yeah, no, I'm Rose Acapulco, whatever. And then and then the voice is like, "Are you sure you're in there alone? Look behind you." Right. That choice by Finn to not right show us what was right. behind her, if anything now, was now there. We, now we can't trust anything. Well, right. and at like the, I just oh I just I just got chills. Yeah, like <laughs> just remembering that moment because you're just sitting there because that's that's one of the ones. That's that's mm, that's one of the ones where you're like, oh god, here it comes, here it comes the. It's, you're waiting for that slow mm-hmm. pan because the camera's behind her, just staring mm-hmm. at that bun in her hair. And it's like, oh, it's POV. I yeah, know exactly. It. Yeah. POV, or or <laughs> you're just or you're just waiting for that slow pan where you get just the face over her shoulder or something, and then the phone rings again, and you're out of that moment. And it's like, oh, oh god, like again, <laughs> I can breathe. Just, yes, and you <laughs> just and you 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 never know, like yeah. I. I don't know what was behind her. Why did neither of us look? You know, I I want. Did you want to look? I want. I don't know. Like that type of stuff. That it, if that, I look, then it's there. Yeah, that anti jump scare, right? Yeah, it's the it's the 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 Schrodinger's cat of what's right. behind you. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think so. And so, like that that anti jump scare, the build, the build, mm-hmm. the build, and then you don't get it. You're just mm, yeah. Oh, so. Oh no, gosh, I think that this is an important conversation because the critics that we shouldn't listen to in the first place, their mm-hmm. biggest issue was with what they believed was the cheap jump scare, you know, which to me, there was really only one, but all the other ones, uh, you know, stemmed from something that was absolutely necessary, you know, mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. But yeah, I mean, it, to, to say that the movie relies on jump scares is to right. ignore Right. The movie, because I mean, it's 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 like 80 percent of this movie is tension. Um, You know, like I said, I couldn't get I couldn't get comfortable. I was in bed. I was in bed. I was laying down. I'm comfy as fuck. Right. (laughs) And and like I, I I didn't even reach over to have a sip of water the entire time that I was in bed. You know, I I didn't I I barely picked up my phone. Yeah, I think I, I think I got a text message. I, I texted Daniel, like, hey, is this the movie we're supposed to watch? And I kept fucking watching. Like, that's yeah. that's how utterly engrossed in this movie I was. And, yeah, it was partly because of the story, but it was 
the other part was how fucking scary it was. And so as, as we talk about just why this movie's so scary, we talk about these labels to put on it. There's one more label that we need to kind of acknowledge. And it's that last character that, that we, that we just barely finally see. It's that idea of, is this a monster movie even? And so in a section that we're calling the entity, I mean, we need to talk about it, right? The entity, what the, the driving force behind all of this is this idea that there is a darkness, a spirit, an evil, whatever you want to call it out there that's so dark that it thrives on trauma. How does that work for you as a, as a movie monster, as, a, as an antagonist, Andy? Um, at first, I wasn't uh, too keen on the CGI. <laughs> You know, but but I mean, you needed to see something, you know, I I sort of had a small issue with it when I mean, but when when it was when it was uh, lit on fire and it was burning, it seemed a little campy to me. Little bit. I will give you that. Right. The, 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 you the, know? the flame effects. Yeah. But at the very end of the film. When that mouth goes wide open and yeah. he starts crawling in, you're saying, "Fucking a, what a great job!" Yeah, that was perfect, and it was, it was, uh, it made all of it, it made all of it just absolutely perfect for that, for that. I, again, I had an issue, a small issue with the CGI, but it, it needed to go somewhere, and then I took that and I put it at the beginning of the film. I put mm -hmm. that 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 entity and i put it at the beginning of the film because that's what we should have been seeing but obviously we're not we're not seeing anything but now i do you know but that scene right there when he just crawled into that mouth i'm saying you know what good job yeah absolutely good job dave if if it makes you feel any better andy there's very little cgi um, in some of the special features that I saw for the movie, they built the fucking monster. Hell and, yeah. And, yeah, and it took uh, it took like two or three people to puppet the thing. Oh wow, it's, it's gigantic. Was it like stop stop action? No, it wasn't stop motion. Um, so it it's really interesting. It's all just camera tricks. Wow. So um, like sharp focus on it when it's up close when you're looking at like the the face with the multiple smile mm -hmm. mouths which i thought was really that was great scary, that was right great. right and, yeah. and 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 for all the derivative qualities that this movie has that's a really unique looking monster yeah it was it was something that at once reminded me of the kind of thing you'd see in a sam raimi evil dead movie Mm -hmm. Right. Which we're also in a cabin in the woods at the end. Right, like yeah. that wasn't lost on yeah. me, but at the right. same time is totally unique and totally new. And, and that, that evil grin that was on its face, man, that sticks with you. It really yeah. does. And right. so to see that they actually built this thing and they built a, like a, a, a puppet of Rose that had mm -hmm. like a stretchy mouth. Right. And so when, when, when Kyle Gallner comes in, and he sees it going in. It's literally just soft focus. Mm -hmm. They um, uh, they open up the aperture on that camera. So you get really shallow depth of field. You see Kyle Gallner in, you know, 
full you know focus and then it's just soft focus in the background and it's brilliant and i'm sure there is some cg that went into right. like you know kind of meshing things and and making sure that everything was nice and smooth but for me that was another one of the things that i really loved about this movie the fact that everything that we saw on screen happened in camera when you can capture something in frame it looks better yeah to to to, to me that was one of the things that i really liked i i, I questioned when i as i was watching it i was like are they building this thing and is it there or did they CGI it? Yeah, I had I had a moment where I was genuinely wondering. I was just like, did they right. just go find like some Guinness World Record holder, like to, to like climb <laughs> right. through like this this doorway and stuff? Right. Like and, that. and 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 the thing is, I think that every iteration of the entity was scary. Whether it was Laura at the beginning of the movie. When we see her stand there with the smile on her face and, and we see the broken, you know, shard of, of the, the potted plant in her hand, I was scared. Right. When, when we see every other version of her, I was scared. You know, when, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I know one of the things that, that um, he could have gone, you could have easily CGI those smiles. But they were yeah. genuine smiles. I yeah. read that they for for days they were practicing. You need you need deadpan eyes, you know, look a, look a little maniacal, mm -hmm. and just smile. And then what they did was I think I I don't I don't know if it was an Atlanta Braves baseball game. Yeah, they yeah. did it in a Braves baseball game yeah. and Good Morning America. Yeah, mm -hmm. that and they just stood behind there and they just <laughs> really absolutely, you know. Yeah. So so um, so that that. That 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 shows a perfect connection. I, I um I I was I was convinced that it was CGI. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah um, no, and, and I understand why because it looks so good, you right. know. But even even the um like the the monster mother, right? The version of her mother that she remembers from her childhood, which I thought was brilliant to use that as like yes. that stopgap between the mom, the original monster, and the new monster. Right. The the ignoring of the original trauma creates this thing. And here's this thing in, in the middle that that is kind of that isn't isn't both things. Um, that wasn't CGI either. That was a dude in right. makeup, right. you know, and, and they just, you know, by building a miniature set, they make it look like uh, the mother from uh, from Barbarian. You know, yeah. something that is just grotesque right. and gigantic and yet it isn't. So it's, it's all like old school right. camera tricks you know, that really work. Da Daniel, this isn't the first time that he debunked CGI to me. I mean, <laughs> Indiana Jones 4, I was convinced, <laughs> yeah. completely, totally convinced that that scene where they're in there, where they're in the in the Jeeps going through the jungle. But dude, there's no way. There's no way. And then son of a bitch, he's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Well. For me, when I look at the entity and you look at just everything that's encompassing, that, that, that it encompasses, I think that what we get out of this is something that we look back on some other movies that we've done here recently and we see it done better. When we did Antebellum and we did, we, we kept talking about how the whole idea of this is that the that the horror of this 
is in fact that that slavery is horrific. But one of our problems was, but we needed we needed an antagonist who was the face of slavery. And while we got a couple of guys that were just kind of douchebags, we never got that. But what we get here is the idea is that trauma is horrific. And then they managed to create a physical form right. that I was 100% on board with representing trauma. And so they took this ethereal idea of, of a horror in trauma, and then they gave me something physical to look at and to be scared of. And I think that that was incredible for the ending. But honestly, I think that the entity is at its scariest all of those times when we can't see it. We talk on this show every once in a while about, you know, things that are just very personally scary to us. And, and we, we've had that we've had that conversation about, well, what movies would we do if we're doing one that just that just really terrifies you to your core? And and, I, and I'm always, you know, I'm always like, oh, well, we should do it. You know, we should do arachnophobia sometime um, because I'm just not terrified of spiders. But then I see a movie like this where you see someone who's entire identity is crumbling around them because of something that could possibly only be happening in their head. Mm -hmm. And that got me so hard. Just this idea that you could work to have, I mean, she had the, she had the hot fiance. She had the, she had the hot shot job. They're driving nice cars. That car, that house was baller. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. She had it all. And watched in the matter of four days while she lost it all, while also not being sure if the driving force behind her losing it was real. Or if her imposter syndrome that she had been working 80-hour weeks to overcome had finally caught up with her. And she could no longer fake it till she made it. And, and, and now the 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 walls that she's built around her in this professional and personal life to protect what is at its core still a very damaged little girl who found her mother dead those walls are crumbling and she can't prove to anybody that there's any reason for it and that part of the entity the idea of breaking someone down until they just give up and that's what we finally get in that last scene it's not that it's not that it finally just overpowers her and rips her mouth open and climbs inside it finally breaks her wholly completely until all that's left is to just accept the entity it's that same thing that makes so many possession movies horrifying. It's the same thing that makes all of these things that go into movies when you're dealing with, you know, some sort of poltergeist or some sort of devil. The thing about those that become so horribly and freakishly scary is just the idea that there is something that lives only to break you until you give yourself to it 
and then you are you become a willing host that is horrifying and it was just so so good and the idea of never actually showing us the entity until the very end was very smart because you got to spend the whole movie because the girl, uh, Laura, at the beginning said, it's like it wears other people as a mask. So as you're seeing all of these other times that the entity is around looking like someone else, you realize that you you still don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's, 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 that, that is, that is scary. So I think the entity just became this amazing movie monster, not just because of everything that went into when we actually saw it but everything that went into making it scary all those times when we couldn't actually see it. It, it was horror edging, you know, it was, it it was, it was, it was just that delayed gratification of, you know, I, I had resigned myself to not seeing a monster. I was okay with it. I was, I was, I was okay with this movie believing that it was just something right. Yeah. That you would, I was just looking at it. When I was looking at this person, I was looking at the monster. Yeah. I was looking at this thing, I was looking at the monster. When I was looking at nothing, I was looking at the monster. Mm-hmm. I was okay with that. I was like, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, you know, ethereal. That's all right. Um, so you would have been the okay. The was there. You would have you been okay with, with like, basically um, her doing the same thing that we saw at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Without the monster. And that would have been perfect. I got you. I got I, you. I would. Yeah. And that's what I thought I was going to get. Mm-hmm. by the end of the movie i thought that's what i was going to get so by the time that we saw monster mom i was like oh fuck that's awesome yeah and then we see it and i'm like shit <laughs> what more could i ask for right so i mean that takes us to the end right we, yep. we are we are riding up on that 90 minute mark which means it is time for us to rate this thing so we always like to remind everybody at this point in the show, when we talk about a movie, we do compare it to other things. But when we rate a movie, we are only looking at it against itself. So for every movie, we create a unique rating system, something that only exists for this movie, so that we are only talking about Smile as it exists right now. Andy, whenever we have a guest on, we always like to give you the option. I know that that this was kind of a last-minute thing. Were you able to come up with anything? What are how we this how about... Bloody smiley bacon strips. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. I do too. <laughs> All right. So, Andy, out of a possible five, bloody bacon, what? Bloody smiley bacon, bacon. Bloody strips. smiley bacon strips. You know, you get the we're sunny side this ups one. and the smile. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, what I. Do you, what do you give smile? I, I got to give it a 4.5. Um, uh, I, I got to tell you that if I see it again, I'll probably rate it higher. I don't think it could go the full five yet, but, but again, it's something that, that even, even at the beginning, I was considering a four, but just listening to David, um, you know, sort of like, you know, it, it grew on me a little bit and, and, um, and, uh, it was sort of therapeutic in a way. Um, hey. <laughs> so, so the so the reality the reality is is that from a four to a four point five that's what I'm going to get a four point five bloody smiley bacon strips. All right, Dave. I'm really glad that Andy repeated bloody smiley bacon <laughs> strips because I was 
I had forgotten already. Um, <laughs> but but really, it is the perfect metric for this movie. I'm also going to give it 4.5 bloody smiley bacon strips. Um, the movie's fantastic and the movie is great. But I had to come up with what the ending meant for me to not hate the ending. Right. Uh, because it to me, it, it, it has that ability to be uh, too dark. Which mm-hmm. I know we're talking about a horror movie, but because the content is so dark and because it's about something that affects everyone, because we all have trauma that we deal with. I I would hate if the message actually is don't bother dealing with your trauma because you're going to fucking die from your trauma. Right. Um, so because I'm still uncertain about what that possibly might be. um. And I know that that's probably what Finn was going for. Or I think that's what he was going for. But because <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go four, four and a half. And like Andy, this movie, um, like it, it begs to be rewatched and reanalyzed and reassessed. Um, I can't wait to watch this again and yeah. see how I feel later. So it, just like Andy, if, if you ask me in, uh, in a couple of months, this might be a five. Or yeah. maybe a two and a half. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, look, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, four, four and a half bloody smiley bacon strips, right? It's, I, like I said, I do, I do want to knock it. And, and it, I know that it is not the, I know that the, the, the filmmaker doesn't necessarily make the trailer. There are companies who do mm-hmm. that. I, I just, I was a little disappointed in that being revealed in the trailer, even though it did still get me that one jump scare. Uh, but I, I think that when, when I look at the fact that, like you said, Dave, you were afraid to go downstairs. When I looked at the fact that I was not comfortable going to bed when this movie was over, I, I was already in that four boat. I was right there. When 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 you watch as many of these movies as we do and something comes out and still puts you in that place, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't even we didn't even talk about just the the director some of the directorial decisions. Uh, from Finn here and some of the ways you talked about him being great behind the camera, some of those slow pans that we got that revealed nothing while others revealed very horrifying things. I think that on a rewatch, there's a fun game to play in this where you just uh, take a drink every time you see a smiley face on something. (laughs) I I think that, I think that there's a very fun game to be had in that. You know, there's one on our coffee cup at one point, there's a couple of times there's posters around there. There's a lot of fun little stuff, you know, to pick out smiley faces that are, that are, you know, just pocketed throughout this movie. And colors, a lot of yellow, the color yellow always um, uh, kind of prefaces something happening. And so I, I think th- I think that this movie is absolutely worthy of a rewatch. I think this is one that I'm going to highly recommend to people, especially if they're just like, well, what's something that's just really scary? Yeah, here it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This movie will keep you up, and it will keep you questioning. Um, it, you know, like we've said though, it's it is it is not perfect. It's not a first at bat home run, but I mean, it's it's a triple where you where he thought about going right. It was. <laughs> It, it, it was it was a very very good movie and man I'm I'm hyped for the career that Finn could have in front of him if, if this is how he's coming out of the gate swinging so yeah I mean across the board that's four and a half bloody smiley bacon strips here on Shiver and it's kind of hard to beat that for for a directorial debut mm-hmm. so uh, you know fucking hats off to um, 
to Parker Finn there. So um, if you stuck with us the whole time, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, if you didn't um, come back. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love. To yeah, we, uh, we 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 like you um, or or so we say so that we can, uh, you know, continue to get your downloads. <laughs> no, we do. Yeah, we, we do. really we do. And so and we do love communicating with all of you guys. So make sure you head to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. All of those things at shiverpod. So make sure you head out there. You find us to do a lot of our communication through Instagram. We do have one more live comment here from Greg, who says he's going to get us that list. Top of the list, American Werewolf in London. Which we haven't done. We have not done yet. And Greg, it does seem just spectacular taste. Can't wait to see the rest of that list. Make sure you head to shiverpod.com. Find us on all those things. Follow us all over the place. We try to. I try to have a lot of fun with the Instagram. Um, drop some memes every once in a while. Always let you know what's coming up. Uh, we have got another brand new, uh, brand new to us movie mm-hmm. next week. As next week we will be doing the movie Megan. Yeah, uh, excited for that one. I'm very excited for that one. I've heard, I've heard. There's a lot of campy fun, and it, it's I. That one's going to be the opposite of this one, from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm okay with that. At least for and, now, I haven't seen yeah, it, so yeah. yeah don't yeah, quote for, me on for right now. I, I kind of need that. I, I kind of yeah. I, I need next week's to be one that I can enjoy to that level. So yeah, uh, make sure you follow us on all of that out there. We really appreciate everybody who listens. If you do listen on a regular basis, drop us a review, five star rating, whatever you think we're worthy of. And of course, you can always email us at shiverpod at gmail.com. There you go. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs>